Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. A warm welcome to you today to Calvary Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's on this Trinity Sunday, also affectionately known by most clergy as the hardest sermon of the year to write Sunday. Um, to explain this very difficult doctrine. Um, it is uh, one of the defining doctrines, and it's, it's a sad thing that there's only one day a year given to this, uh, to this profound doctrine. It probably needs several, especially because it is the defining doctrine of one of the defining doctrines of the Christian church. Whether you are a Catholic, whether you are Orthodox, whether you are Protestant or Pentecostal, uh, we believe, this is one of the things that we all land the plane on, we believe in one God in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe and we confess in the Trinity. It is a non-negotiable for Christians, a non-negotiable. And there are a lot of groups that claim to be Christians, such as Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, Oneness Pentecostals are the new group that have kind of emerged, that talk about the Father, they'll talk about Jesus, they'll talk about the Holy Spirit, yet they do not teach that God is three and one at the same time, and so therefore they fall outside of the bounds of creedal Christianity. They do not believe and confess that all three are one, and at the same time distinct. This is, a, this is a confusing doctrine, though, and a difficult one to teach. I once heard a story about a priest who was called in to a hospital room to give last rites, and the patient's eyes were closed, and the priest went into the bedside and put his head behind, hands behind the man's head and lifted it up gently and said, Do you believe in one God? Do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in God the Son? Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? To which the dying man opened his eyes and said, what is this, a riddle? So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I will be the first to confess that the Trinity, while it is marvelous and it is a beautiful doctrine, it is a confusing doctrine. It is a doctrine which we as humans cannot fully comprehend. Simply put, the Trinity is what the church calls a holy mystery. And by what that, what I mean is a revelation. I'm not talking about a mystery in a Scooby-Doo sense, something you have to figure out. I'm talking about a revelation. The great church father Tertullian once wrote that the doctrine of the Trinity must be divinely revealed for there is no way it could be humanly constructed. It is a mystery. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. Jake, that sounds like a holy cop-out. I have enough mystery in my life, you know? I have enough mystery when it comes to where am I going to pay my bills. I have enough mystery when it comes to my love life. I have enough mystery when it comes to raising my kids. I have enough mystery when it comes to dealing with my boss. The last thing I need in my life is more mystery. But remember, this isn't something you have to figure out. This is a revelation. And when I talk about it being a revelation, then as your priest, I want to say maybe you do. Maybe you need a little more mystery in your life to bring you to a place and the sense of awe and wonderment when it comes to God. You know, the truth is, is that we live in a world where everything must be rational and completely figured out. 
So yes, maybe you need a little more mystery in your life to bring you to a place of worship in a culture that tends to denigrate things which don't fit into our particular and ever-increasingly shrinking, although we arrogantly think it's expanding, worldview. We need a little more mystery in our life. We need revelation in our life, something from outside of ourselves to shake us up and remind us that we are not gods. This is my first point. As Christians, we worship one God who has revealed himself in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And profoundly, this is a mystery which we cannot fully comprehend. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay, because if you can comprehend and figure out God, you might not want to worship him. If you can figure him out, then indeed he is a human construct. I remember back in 2012, there was a couple that uh, had come to this church looking for a church. And they literally said to me, I'll never forget it, they said to me, now I'm sure you'll eventually interview us if we choose to make this our church home. But today we're interviewing you right now. And I said, wow, well don't judge us by the coffee. But uh, um, (laughs) they didn't laugh at all, but they proceeded to talk and ask, essentially they asked, what does Calvary St. George's have to offer us? To which I said, hmm, um, the answer to the question of death and eventually eternal life. To which, which I thought was good, but the, <laughs> the husband then said, yes, but we're talking practically. Now, everyone, until they hear the gospel, is practical about their religion and their approach to it. And this practicality tends to manifest itself in one of two ways. Uh, The first way this practicality manifests itself in your life is that it's something you've just always done. I've always been an Episcopalian. My parents before me were Episcopalians. My My children will be Episcopalians. And it is our tradition to be Episcopalians. You know, we go to church every Christmas and Easter and two other times a year so that we can maintain our membership in good standing and be Episcopalians. It's what we do. You know, that's practical, maintaining a tradition. But another practical reason, and this tends to be the primary reason, especially today people get involved in religion, is that, and, and this is, and, and the truth is, is that this is why actually Christianity in America is on a massive decline, because it's not really Christianity, it's Americanity, and it's all about practical things for you to do, and practical steps, and, you know, uh, ways that you can be like Jesus. But this is why most people in America and in the Western world get involved in religion today, whether it be Christianity or or cults or other things, you know? I mean, it's because it provides an answer for me to something that's nagging at me. It gives me things to do when something's gone wrong in my life. It answers the moral dilemma going on that's keeping me up at night and and, uh, things I can do to fix it. We need something to keep us on the straight and narrow or something to bring us back on the straight and narrow. I want religion because I want to fix this situation, Jake. I want religion because I want to be better. 
There's nothing wrong with wanting to be better, but that's why I want religion. What, and essentially what you're saying when you say that is, what must I do to save myself? That's practical religion. What must I do to save myself? And this is actually, this was the religion of Nicodemus and the Pharisees from our gospel reading. Their religion was extremely practical. It had answers to these practical questions. And Nicodemus goes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he's a little embarrassed by this Jesus guy. And he's going and he's looking for a practical answer. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. So essentially what he's saying is, so come on, Jesus. What's the secret? Teach us something practical and we'll all get behind you. However, Jesus is going to point out to Nicodemus in this moment that he, Jesus, that the gospel, and as we are reminded of on Trinity Sunday, Christianity is not practical at all. I mean, listen to this answer. This is not a practical answer at all. Very truly... I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Say what, Jesus? What? I mean, Nicodemus calls this impracticality out when he asks, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? I mean, he calls out the impracticality of this whole notion. You see, the problem, and what Jesus is getting at here, the problem with practical religion is that it assumes you have the necessary resources to figure out life on your own. The problem with practical religion is that it assumes that you have the necessary resources from within to have a relationship with God on your own. Don't let John 3.16 ever become cliché. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that all who believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the problem, you see, with practical religion is that if you can do it just enough and just, just right enough and stay on the right track on your own, what it, happen, what it does is it leads you to believe that you're actually in partnership with God, it leads you to believe that you are actually self-sustaining without God. And then it leads you to a place where you begin to think that you're actually God yourself. Or just like him. And this is my second point. Christianity is not a practical religion. Because it is a faith that is given to us. St. Paul says over and over in his epistles, this that was revealed to me... I now reveal to you. It is a faith that we receive from God alone, and it has nothing to do with practicality because it has nothing to do with our efforts. The Christian religion, the true faith, is pure gift that says God will do all things necessary for your salvation. You see, Christianity is not a practical religion. It's actually extremely impractical because it tells you to get the heck out of the way and allow God to have his way with you. Allow God to give you not a better life, but a new life. 
be born from above, be born again. Our one God in three persons, the Blessed Trinity, boldly proclaims that God is actually bigger than our practicalities and that he is in control actually when our practicalities begin to break down and fail us. I was talking to a good friend who's in recovery and we were talking about this particular passage in the 12 steps and he said, you know, it's actually my practicalities that have gotten me into this particular position. But the Trinity proclaims that God is in control when your practicalities begin to fall apart and break down. And you see, when that happens, through the eyes of faith, we begin to grasp the meaning of this mystery. And in a very real and practical way, we begin to understand what it's all about. And what it's all about is that the same God who created everything and has made you is the same God who has laid his life down to save you and is the same God who is with you always, especially in your darkest hour. You take one part of the Trinity out and you have to put yourself in there, and it is an impossibility. And practically speaking, a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who's in charge of every facet of life, becomes the enabling word for us to relinquish the control of our lives and give them to him. And as the psalmist writes, trust in the Lord with all your might and lean not on your own understanding. And this is my third point. The impracticality of Jesus. The impracticality of the Trinity. The impracticality of the gospel. What it does is that it creates within us the eyes of faith to begin to understand the good news of the gospel the practicality of the whole thing. That God, since the foundation, since before the foundations of the world, through this age and into the age to come, has been, is, and always will be for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.